Hello, and welcome to the first 7-inch club episode 117. First 7-inch club is a podcast where we dig up 7 inches from the past within the realms of punk, hardcore, metal. I don't know why I said punk first. I'm going <laughs> to delete that. We never cover punk. That's just, you have, you have to say that to cover all your bases, but I don't think we've ever done one punk record on here uh, and discuss whether or not they're worth being remembered. We also provide facts and trivia that we get from the internet and our own personal experiences. Uh, we do our own research and uh, we're doing pretty good at it. I, I would say I am Mike and with me is Scott. Maybe we should do some punky records. Let's do like a, like, let's do like a punk month. I have like, I have like a decent amount, but it's just like... We'll say the same things all four, all four well, it's, episodes. It's that just month. that, and it's like they seem like they're kind of interesting to me, but I don't know enough punk people. Like, I don't think and even punk people listen to this fucking show, so yeah, I, I think they might just fucking die. I, I'll pull out some... Closet punkers, stuff. right into us. Do you want to hear us ineptly reviewing <laughs> punk records? I'll, uh, I, I had something in mind for next week already, so week after that. Uh, we'll do a we'll do a full month between we'll mid, Chris, we'll do mid-November to Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving to Christmas. Uh, probably the time we have to take off a bunch of time because yeah. I'm sure all these holidays fall on shitty days where we can't record. But uh, yeah, from, th- from, th- from for the holiday season, we'll do. Uh, I'll pull out all my weirdo genre records, and by weirdo, I mean punk and oi and stuff like that and uh <laughs> you'll just hear how horrible we actually are about talking about music when yeah. we are uh, out of our wheelhouse so uh so yeah enjoy that enjoy enjoy thanksgiving the christmas because it's gonna suck the two episodes we're gonna get out between now and then are gonna be <laughs> two genre records are, are you gonna stay up late tonight and listen to the new candy oh, mike no. I, I, this fucking this hour shit fucks me up so bad every mm-hmm. year and uh and my cats my cats don't know they don't know that the time changes yep, so yep. they're waking me up at four in the morning like hey man you gotta get up and yeah. give me uh give me food and one of the cats i know people love cat talk so uh my one cat she's just like she'll just keep on hitting me in the face until i wake up and yeah. after a while you get used to it so you're like yeah whatever fuck off yep. but my other cat has smartened up my other cat used to never bother me and he just goes in the other room and meows as loud as he can until I get up, which is like, you can't stop that one. So, so now I'm just at their whim at all times. We have robots that feed the cats. So that's yeah. cool. Like, I don't have to worry about that. And they're used to it. Um, and we they have, actually- we have robots too. And they're just like, they don't want it. They want me to, <laughs> they want me to take the food out of the, the robot dish and put it in their other dish and then they eat it. So, man, so yeah, they, they know that robots suck and they stink. And they're taking over the world, and they want the human touch for their their food. My cats can hear some like electron moving through the machine, and they know yeah. like thirty seconds before that it's about to drop, and they're, yep. they're waiting. Yep. it's kind of amazing. Even even with the time change, they know it. <laughs> so I didn't do much fun this week, but for like a little change of pace, I was like, "Well, I'm watching a, a movie," because I don't get to do that hardly ever. I'll watch a semi current movie while there's still some buzz about it. And uh, I had you know, Shutter was free for a month. Hopefully, I remember to cancel that since I only watched one too. one movie for the whole month that I've had. I feel, that I, I, feel I also feel like if it's still like it used to be, Shutter it makes it really difficult to cancel too. Yeah. So yeah, Stars does that too. We we had Stars for some free thing, and they they go through a hundred windows before they finally let you. Yeah, you'll just like you'll go to certain versions of the Shutter website, and the button won't even be there, and it's just <laughs> like, well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> you can't cancel. Yeah. Yep. So I watched uh, Where Evil Lurks, which is, you know, people are still talking about it. So I'm still in the mix for once. Yes. I haven't been in the mix with a movie for a while. So, you know, it was pretty good. I liked this movie, except it got me thinking, you know, the last 
I guess five or six years, maybe a little longer, has been in like an exercise in pushing the envelopes of which people in a movie are allowed to ace now. You know, <laughs> like once upon a time, nobody liked it if you off the dog or the kid. Yeah. And now that we're strictly working in those shades, like that's all we're yeah, doing yeah. now is making these movies where those two uh, teams are, are <laughs> mercilessly hacked down. And do you think this is some kind of like horror movie Overton window where now it's game on for this shit forever? Or do horror movies move in waves and we'll get bored of this and do, and it'll just go away again. Uh, well, first, just in case anybody wants to watch this film, it's actually when evil lurks, but, um, is it, I said, where yeah, I said, where? Yeah. yeah, it's a Spanish movie and I think they have a little different rules than us. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think they can like, it's, it's weird because I, you know, not to spoil it, but there is a scene that happens like uh, about halfway, maybe even less than halfway through the movie where you're just like, Whoa, they're, they're <laughs> doing this. They're going yeah. for it. And you're just like, that's kind of fucked, but you don't see that too often. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, um, but then like when the movie wraps up, it's like the the whole movie, again, not to spoil it too much, but it's very bleak. Like, it's not like, oh, well, yeah. we defeated the monster. Everything's over. That doesn't happen. No. It's just like ends. You're just like, oh, <laughs> well, that sucks. Like, <laughs> I guess, I guess no, this everything is the bad sucks. ending. This is the <laughs> shitty ending. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I think that's like. So I think you're allowed to do things like kill children and dogs when you're just going to go for it. But also, at the same time, I always bitch about this in the Discord and the internet any chance I get, is this world has gone, you know, turned to shit to the yeah. point where uh, the movie Terrifier is like, it became like a mainstream s- sensation. And this is like a, this is like a ghoul film. Like, it's not ghoulish. Yeah. Like, you don't, I mean, some people watch and be like, that's disgusting. It's But it's not like... It's just one of those movies that's like mean spirited. It's a very mean spirited movie. It's like yeah. woman hating. It's like crude. It's very badly done. Everything's really bad about it. And it's just odd that of all the movies to get popular that are low budget and shitty, it's this one. So I just think people yeah. are shitty in general and probably want to see children being murdered now. So I think yeah. I think all bets are off. Um, I do think when evil lurks is kind of just a, its own thing. But yeah, I mean the sadness came out that that was kind of a hit for a minute. And that's all gross and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I that I was think, real twiz gross. That was like yeah, yeah, yeah. extreme twiz gross. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't as moved by that. Uh it didn't really feel, you know, yeah. it didn't have any impact. And the terrifier stuff doesn't have a lot. The terrifier the the second one, you know, he like murders a teen in a way that is very unpleasant. Yeah. And uh, I guess it's, I think it's kind of like legendarily, you know, unpleasant to watch and it goes on for a very long time. I'm like, who's who's this for? Who's yeah. <laughs> who who went to netflix.com? I was like, you know what I want to see is absolute torment yeah. for just about 15 minutes. And it's so uh, weird. Like it's just they're, just they're like yucking it up. Like, oh, let's go to Party City and buy the new clown, whatever, Ed the Clown or whatever the fuck his name is. Let's buy that yeah. costume and let's be a sexy version for Halloween and shit like that. Like, I just I don't understand out of all the movies because usually like Hostel came out. Hostel's, you know, it's it was pretty rough for 2004. Like that came out as like. Oh man, I <laughs> can't believe yeah, I'm watching yeah. this in movie theaters. Yeah. And uh, it immediately got shot down by like any egghead that's just like, this is torture porn. This is disgusting, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Nope, yeah. everybody loves Terrifier. It's this great fucking movie that's making tons of money off of like a $10,000 budget. And there's, there's no explanation except that uh, everybody's just a horrible, horrible human being these days. Since I'm still a, a father of a young child, I'm sure some of my feelings will fade when my daughter's like 16 and smoking yeah. and fighting in bars yeah. and stuff like that. And then I'll be loving these movies. Yes. I'll be I'll be specifically seeking out movies where kids are in jeopardy. <laughs> but uh, you know, right now this creates a dark parental shock. It's not that much fun <laughs> uh, to watch like the 
the, the younger kids, like the movie, yeah. you know, like Hereditary, like that that scene made me feel very bad, not in a fun, yeah. like fun movie night out, night out in the movies way. Um, I you know, I'd rather see uh, a person slowly split in half by a wicked clown if I have a choice. So yeah. I'll, I'll do I'll do uh, bone tomahawk things instead of uh, <laughs> instead of these things for a little while. And so that's pretty much all I did this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have much either because it's a big Patreon shout out day. But I did want to update something that I, I dropped uh, several weeks ago. Uh, I kind of just ambiguously said that you should follow this guy jerry's hooch on instagram yeah and i didn't say much we just kind of you know said you should go do it and uh i left it at that because it's it's one of those things that i don't want becoming a thing and unfortunately i think some normie podcast or normie youtube show or something also found out about jerry Mm -hmm. and uh now jerry like when when i mentioned on the show i think jerry had like two thousand followers and he but he's one of those people that follow 1500 people so you're gonna have about the same amount of followers when you do that and uh now he has thirty thousand and counting followers so i don't know what fucking podcast talked about him or tv show or whatever it was but it sucks so hopefully you got in on jerry on the ground floor and you have been enjoying his content because i feel like he's going to be scared away soon and uh it's uh it's very depressing i don't i don't understand if they collaborated to be commenting this way but the comments are all you know ruthlessly positive they're like fake jerry's the king way to go jerry you're the man jerry and it's like did everyone on tiktok or something like that get together and say this is we're gonna like love bomb these weirdo accounts and it's very consistent it's like hundreds and hundreds of people all posting this exact same way almost like bots or something like that but i don't think they're bots i just think that this is a trend and it's annoying and it's like boring (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's not fun the few I, like i for, i think uh smoltz who i don't know he's in the discord i don't think he listens to this show but i think he's he's the one who found out whatever podcast or whatever mentioned jerry and it's definitely some like normie thing that people who are into like you know twitter humor and like stand-up yeah. comedy and stuff like that's the like it's, I think it's that, that type of normal person who just is like you know listens to anything that itunes tells him to listen to so I think those types of people are going to bound to have some very vanilla comments when when, yeah. when uh, these things come out. So I don't know the target of this. So you know, I think we could talk about it. I guess yeah. since it's been a couple weeks. Jerry's hooch. Um, his account is he's he's an older man. He looks like Santa. Yep. Uh, he's covered in tattoos, and yep. the tattoos are all of Hooters waitresses' names <laughs> and like a yes. and uh Twin Peaks and. Maybe yeah. another restaurant. I, don't, I, don't, I think no, we found out he, he's he's exclusive okay. to Twitter to a Twitter Twin Peaks and Hooters, and then there's like other restaurants he enjoys where uh, women do not show their breasts. Yeah, but. he basically eats most of his meals at these places. He takes pictures with the girls all the time. He seems to be beloved. Like it doesn't look dark. It looks no. like they like him and they like that he comes around and that he's just some some lovable goofball. Uh, but the idea of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of normal people showing up to an old man's account. <laughs> Where he just posts himself posing with Hooters waitresses every day and being like, "Yeah, you're living the life, Jerry." <laughs> it doesn't hold a lot of water for me. I feel like it's a it's a bit, and it kind of sucks. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, as I said, I hope I hope you, at least a few of you got into Jerry's content before uh, this influx, because it's probably going to stop. But it's yeah, you know, yeah. it's still pretty good. It's Jerry's enjoying himself. Hopefully, hopefully he gets paid. Hopefully, I I have a feeling the opposite's going to happen, and Hooters and Twin Peaks are going to find out, and he's going to yeah. Because uh, like, if you read like when we this uh this dude Kapadopoulos from Discord, I want to mm-hmm. give him credit again. I don't think he listens to the show, so it doesn't matter. But 
he's the one, he's the one who hips us to Jerry. I don't even know how he found out about him, but um, so when we found out about him, we like went deep because you can't. This guy is bulletproof. Like we could not do an episode on Jerry. Like no. it's impossible <laughs> to find anything about this guy. But we went deep into his Instagram, and there's some definitely dark posts in there where it's just like he talks about how he got he has he has a tattoo that says san francisco hooters girls are number one or something like it's it's a little abbreviated but it's something like that done in very bad prison type bubble letters and uh the caption he just tells a story how he came in to show the girls at the san francisco hooters when he and this is like 25 years ago it's very old looking um he went to go show them and the manager came up to them and told him to get out and never come back again (laughs) and uh i i have a feeling like if this goes even more viral that's going to happen and, and we're going to ruin i'm not going to personally but other people are going to ruin jerry's life forever so yeah, yeah. hopefully uh hopefully it gets off instagram or hopefully that doesn't happen or hopefully they find they they like it and they like the publicity and uh they they celebrate jerry instead of kicking him out well that would be kind of i mean almost that's almost the worst outcome is if he, he becomes like a vector like oh you gotta get on jerry's you know instagram and it gets you thirty thousand views or whatever yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of not not a great outcome either anyways all the best to luck to jerry um this week this is the first of the month of november that we're recording all well, the first week in november i should say so that means <laughs> that means we are shouting out our patreon subscribers a five dollar tear a two dollar tear you do not get the special shout out but it looks like most people almost everybody has switched over to five dollars thank you very much thank mm-hmm. you everybody who's like you know this is worth the three extra dollars a month that yeah. is that is great so if you want to participate you can go to patreon.com slash first seven inch club and throw in a few bucks a month you'll get a shout out you get a couple extra episodes a month couple to tree i'm always teasing that it's getting colder and colder but global warming and climate change has made it less cold but it, it's it's almost here <laughs> it's it's almost time to hunker down it's getting dark earlier I'm going to be doing 37 robot podcast a week yeah. soon. So uh, this is the time to get in. But, um, and also I think, uh, Patreon changed this, this page a little. So hopefully I, I catch everybody cause it's a little different than it usually is. But, uh, first up three eleven, never forget. Thank you. Uh, Aaron. Thank you. Aaron C. Thank you. Uh, fixes luscious dump truck ass. Thank you. Brad. Thank you. Brian. Thank you. Charlie Daniels, thank you. See, it's harder to read the, the email, so I can't. I don't know who these people are. Cheech, thank you. <laughs> Chris B, thank you. Chris R, thank you. Uh, Chris, the guy who went to school with Jumping John Elway, as mm-hmm. always, thank you. Uh, Commissar, thank you. Dan B, thank you. Two Dan Bs, thank you. Dan G, thank you. Dan H, Dave R, Dave State of Mind. We'll be talking about State of Mind in a little while. Thank you. Dave 666, thank you. Ed S, thank you. Emma and Matto, thank you. Eric H, thank you. Eric S, thank you. Fiel Rilel, thank you. Fred Durst, as always, thank you. Fritz, thank you. And what reminded me of Jerry, uh, I don't know if this is a, a new Patreon or somebody who changed his name to Hooters Waitress Trapped Under Jerry's Porch, please send help. Yeah, so, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but hopefully it's not. Ian, Ian W, thank you. Jason K, thank you. J.E., thank you. Joe B, thank you. Joe Cams, thank you. Joe Cams, still, still, still subbing. We're still wow. pleasing Joe Cams, thank you. John T, thank you. Yeah. Uh, John Torn, thank you. Past guest Jonah, thank you. Uh, Joshua N, thank you. Keenan, thank you. Kevin, thank you. Liam from Cinepunks Podcast, thank you. Uh, Listener Subi, thank you. Matt D, thank you. Matt G and Matthew B. Michael M, thank you. That might be a new one. I don't remember that name. Mouth of Infinity, thank you. Nathan and Lana, thank you. Nicholas T, thank you. P Hayes, I don't know. Sorry. So it's like a, it's a screen name. It's okay for me to say the last name because you made it look like a screen name. So P Hayes, <laughs> Pat from Ground Zero Salem, thank you. I haven't bought it yet. I keep for I, I, I'm uh, 
haven't bought it yet, but he has the the Undergong uh, 12-inch record for only like 20 bucks in his yeah. store. And, uh, you know, those things, I can't buy them in, in, in America because they're fucking too expensive. So i got to pick that up. Did they come there, here so. or did they get banned from our country or something like that? They did. They came to, I think they were just in Atlanta last week and they played like Atlanta and Philadelphia and a couple other places. A couple other places far away from me now. So uh, I didn't go, but uh, yeah, so that sucks. Uh, Phil and Salmo, thank you. Uh, I think there's a few more. Let's see. Philip L., thank you. Oh, Rob Cole. Thank you, Rob Cole. Wow. Uh, Rob Cole. Right. Thank you. I think it's new to try, Rob Cole. Uh, he's, uh, he's a friend. He's uh, We talked about him. Sawyer, thank you. It's okay if I dox Rob Cole. That's how everybody knows him. Everybody knows him Rob Cole. I think okay. he's also a past... Uh, didn't we review a band he's been in a couple times? We've, we've had... Did, was he in Give Up? No, I don't... Maybe. Yeah, I think he was in some form of Give Up or something. But he's in JBA. He's in a bunch of bands. Rob's right. a known drummer. Uh, Scott J, thank you. <laughs> Spider One, thank you. Spider One, is that the guy from... Uh, one of those bands, Power Man. Thank you. Them. I couldn't remember this either. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier, I was thinking because okay, I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. but I asked a, an episode or two ago, like, what do new metal dads dress like when they grow up? <laughs> yeah. And nobody really answered me. And I'm sure we have some in the in our various places. There's someone yeah. who could sound off and tell me, like, what's the equivalent of the craft beer dad or whatever? Yeah. You know, what's the new metal? Equivalent? And then I was thinking, you know, uh, what's the White Zombies Brothers yeah, guy? Band? One. Can't think of what the band name is. I still, t- I keep thinking Power Man Five Thousand, but it's not that. Static is X it? is it Static X? So, oh, so it is Power Man Five Thousand, and oh. I was thinking of Static X. Yeah, they're both the same band. So same band. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Spider One. Uh, yeah. Tell your brother if he ever wants to be on the show. Want to make it happen? Spirit Killer, thank yeah. you. Strange Caffeine, thank you. Tim Dog, thank you. Uh, Troy Blood Unbeaten, as always, thank you. Tyler Hammer from uh, Kings Punk Podcast, thank you. What's a Seven Inch Dave, thank you. Will Farrell big money hustler thank you and wobbly greg zach c and zachary w all thank you we did it again mm-hmm. once again let's make this longer Let, let's get so many patreons that uh we take up an hour of me just saying thank you to all, all of you that's uh that would be a great feeling for me got a couple of thumbs up on the uh, the robot podcast yeah concept too so people yeah. people are, are curious to hear that so maybe we'll just maybe I, we will fill the patreon with robot. I, I think it's funny to say that you're into it but i think uh, you know, listening to even a thousand words in that voice, they're going to kill you. But, you know, maybe I'll put it together. No, wait, there there used to be those videos. It was like a software program mm-hmm. and it was almost like two like 3D rendered animals that would talk to each other in the computer voices. Yeah. And I watched those forever. I'd watch <laughs> them endlessly. I thought they were the funniest thing ever. And I'd watch them on loop. I got to see if there's a like for the regular uh, AI voice that's on your phone. There's like a million ways to slow it down. I got to see if there's a slowdown on the, the personal voice. Because <laughs> if I slowed it down, it wouldn't be as annoying. Because I, I was thinking I'll, maybe I'll just put in my letterbox reviews as a, as kind of a, just a test to see how it goes. Because the other thing is, in, you, in my mind, I'm like, oh, it'd be so easy just to write a bunch of shit and record it real quick. But you know, like you talk so much more than you write. So these, yeah, these yeah. podcasts are going to be like 14 seconds long after, <laughs> after I write everything out. So we'll see. But, um, anyways, we did enough of our own plugging. I also like to shout out our friend at state of mind recordings.com state of mind recordings.com. It's a record label and a distro on the internet. You can go there and buy a bunch of records. He sells for cheap prices and even cheaper shipping every week. I like to, uh, highlight a record that he's selling. That you can go to his distro and buy, and, uh, you know, have it yourself and do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. So this week, I would like to feature uh, a double LP by a band called Ko Dot. 
Oh and, uh, God, no! <laughs> and their record, their record, uh, moss grew on the swords and plowshares alike. Uh, yeah. This is twenty four ninety five. So the only reason I'm choosing this, as you could tell, Scott's uh, disgust already. Um, mm. I feel the same way. But if you were to ask me uh, twenty years ago, uh, hey, Michael, all, out of all the bands you're you're going to play with in your life, um, what band do you expect? to have 10 studio albums and still be going in 2023. <laughs> I would have never guessed KO Dot. That is yeah. not the... Uh, we, we played with them when they were first starting out, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure they just sound even more <laughs> of what they did back then, but even even more of it. Uh, so I can't even fucking imagine. Uh, yeah, I saw this pop up on the front page of State of Mind Recordings, and I was like, holy shit, they're still around. And, uh, yeah, they're just... Yeah. Uh, and I remember... Uh, the the guy the the guy the main guy from Ko Dot who's in a band called Maudlin of the Well which was like yes. a band that like uh, metal maniacs tried to pimp on me in like 1996 so uh, this guy's been doing weird not so great music for a very long time uh, I am shocked and you know you know shout out Ko Dot for somehow making this work and having a 20 year career uh, playing music that I would assume no one wants to listen to but I, yeah. apparently there's people out there that want to listen to it Dave State of Mind is trying to sell it to people. And uh, hopefully they buy it. It's twenty four ninety five. Is a double LP. Looks maybe uncolored vinyl. Can't really tell. Uh, but you know, you're you're already in the scene if you know yeah. this. Like you're not gonna pick up the tenth studio album by Ko Dot and say, I've <laughs> I've been missing a lot over the last twenty years. Uh, you're already down with this or not. But uh, if you're not, if you've never heard of Ko Dot, you don't know Maudlin the Well and anything. And uh, you know, we do live in the time of streaming where you can just listen to something for four seconds and. Uh, come up with an opinion. Go do it, because uh, you're going to hate it. But, you know, maybe maybe you won't. A lot, of, a lot of people on this show, a lot of listeners, say, hey, that ice burn isn't so bad. You guys get, get a little hard on ice burn, so maybe mm-hmm. you'll like KO Dot. I don't know, but not me. <laughs> I, I, I followed them from Maudlin of the Well to KO Dot. And I, <laughs> I, mean, I saw Maudlin of the Well live, and they were a mess. Wow. They had like 15 people in the band. <laughs> um, they, I hated their cover art. I hate those little cartoon squiggly things that they put on their album covers. Hated the the pretentious like super long song titles and album titles and all that stuff and then when they moved to ko dot i was like well you know this is at least sort of serious <laughs> like this at least has a little like they took a deep breath and said let's not be quite so silly with the concept so i didn't hate it but it was just so like atmospheric it wasn't yeah. really for me I think I, I looked into him not that long ago i was like what is whatever is up with ko dot whatever i found about him was very nerdy and i remember thinking like this is too nerdy that he's gone way <laughs> off the off the deep end but i don't know i mean these days i'm a little bit more open to some shit maybe i'll give it another chance i i, I don't like you know soundtracky yeah like metal i don't like you know violent actual violins playing <laughs> between uh songs like that isn't really for me so we'll see maybe but you know like he's getting old too so maybe he's like, you know what? I'm just going to make like a thrash album this year. That settles it. We're all going to buy the KO Dot record. And, uh, Let's check out KO Dot this week. We're going to have a listening party. That's going to be after our punk month. We're yeah. going to do KO Dot. We're going to go. We're going to do KO Dot discography uh, season. The season of KO Dot. And do every single one of their records on the show. State of Mind knows about me, too, because they always put an, an, a targeted album on the front page. <laughs> so this week it's a uh, Mephiscopheles. Uh, oh, yeah. One of the Mephiscopheles records is on there. And, you know, if you... If you skip Mephiscopheles, you could still keep skipping Mephiscopheles. You don't have to do anything about it. But I would say sit down tonight and cue up the song Eskimo the, with the word ska in the middle. It's Eskimo with the word ska in the middle. That has the most beautiful horn part of any ska song ever. It's not a very good song. It has very bad lyrics, like as all Mephiscopheles songs. 
But just sit down with that. Guy plays a flugelhorn. You don't hear a lot of flugelhorns in ska music. So this is this was his, the one time I saw them live. I was like, they're going to play Eskimo. I'm going to lose my shit. This is going to be the greatest night of my life. And then the guy comes out with his flugelhorn. His flugelhorn broke. It just <laughs> broke into pieces right in front of me. He tried to play it and it didn't work. <laughs> I was like, that's it. I, you know, I'm never going to be fulfilled. But uh, yeah, check out Eskimo with the word ska in the middle. This is their LP, Maite Waite. And uh, the, the blurb says... Uh, NYC Satanic Ska Metal. Uh, It's their third album from 1999, finally on vinyl for the first time. Who was asking for this? Who was like, we need this. We need this pressed on vinyl. Well, they did come, they did a comeback. I don't know how well it went. And the whole Satan thing is kind of, you know, it's not as satanic as it would be these days. These days they would be actually Orensi Pazuzu black metal guys or something (laughs) like that. And it would be very dark with sigils and occult stuff. But yeah, they were one of the few ska bands i really tried with i was like they're in a satan it's gonna be yeah. cool and it's not it's still ska music no because they're like their songs were still silly they did like the yeah. bumblebee tuna song that was yeah. a big hit and stuff yeah. like that, so. well there you have it stateofmindrecordings.com uh, and you want to reach out to us you can do so at first seven inch club at gmail.com or first seven inch club on instagram and we have all the links and i swear to god one day i will i will update the uh the youtube and we'll have mm-hmm. all the all the seven inches up there but no one seems <laughs> to mind no one's ever knocking on my door like hey man can you upload that seven inch so yeah yeah uh, so but you know one day anyway we can get on to the main event tonight we are talking about the band channel or maybe even chanel but i'm pretty sure it's channel <laughs> and there's their self-titled record from 19 self-titled seven inch i should say from 1994 on stillborn records this is actually stillborn records number two and mm. if you want to get real technical it's basically stillborn records number one because the actual Stillborn Records number one is the Josta 14 demo, and that's not like something that you can just go and buy. So I'm counting this as the first release for Stillborn Records, and we'll get yeah. into that when we talk about uh, you know the actual record label stuff. But Channel was a band uh, put out a couple seven inches between 1994 and 1995. I believe they might have been on some comps, but the Discogs is not going to back me up on that, so maybe I'm wrong. They're from uh, the Virginia Beach area of Virginia, and uh, members went on to play in Converge, Old Man Gloom, Doom Riders, Dillinger Escape Plan, The Candyland Car Crash, Tipping Canoe, and Designs. Uh, yeah, they were. we did an episode on Kenifora, you know, several episodes ago, probably almost mm-hmm. a year ago now. And uh, they would, I think these guys came up. They, I think they were a little before Kenifora, and I think they kind of, you know, probably set it off in Virginia as far as kind of weirdo, hardcore, metal-tinged hardcore went. In, yeah. in that area and i'm pretty sure they were they were big in the area i kind of knew of them because they were on stillborn um i never saw them or anything like that but mm-hmm. uh you know i just i just picked this one up and i was like i, I think people would be interested to hear about this because they have a fairly famous member so yes. to get into that let me pull up their stuff and one of the things that i wasn't really um positive of or really sure of before we started this is i think several of the members of this band <laughs> Uh, follow for seven inch club and so mm-hmm. this is this is kind of scary because usually you know it's afterwards but this is like they 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 know this is coming yeah. so uh we usually don't tread in this territory unless it's like a friend so <laughs> they they might they might be like you fuckers unfollow yeah. you assholes but uh i didn't really like dig too deep so scott's gonna be the villain here i i, I dug deep enough but 
Um, so the main guy, the main guy that anybody would know from this band, well, I guess there's a couple guys, but the, the one, the other guy's not on this record, but, uh, the guy that's on this record is Nate Newton, who played guitar on this, who, uh, is more famously in a band called Converge. <laughs> um, and he joined Converge, you know, a couple years after this record and he's still in Converge. So it's, yeah. it's been a while. He's done a, a lot of other bands. He was in Jesuit, who we brought up in that, that other kind of four episode, he was uh, also an old man gloom, doom riders, cr- split cranium, and all these bands are fairly still active. Like they still put shit out. He never stopped. Uh, yeah. Blood Moon, uh, which is like even newer. Uh, I really like Nate Newton's uh, Discogs pick because it's him eating breakfast, but it's like one of those pictures, uh, <laughs> like your girlfriend takes you when they just want to put it on Instagram, like an Instagram story picture. And uh, but that's you know that is this very you know <laughs> well known musician. Uh, you know, very accomplished musician and his, his discogs is just him eating breakfast as if his girlfriend <laughs> took the picture. And, uh, I like that. Um, he may or may not own a coffee shop named wise house. Uh, hmm. he had like a GoFundMe or Kickstarter for it or something, but I believe that might've been during, during the, the, the brighter times, the pre 2020 times. And it, it made its goal, but I don't know if the, the, if it ever actually happened, but that, that may be a thing he does. Uh, but you know, you you could this this guy he's still fucking out there doing all this shit. So, um, outside of him, a lot of these other guys went on to the band Candyland Car Crash, which was uh, a Virginia kind of emoish band. Like you know, still still rougher around the edges, the emo. So still pretty good. I can't mm-hmm. re- like the name sounds familiar. I can't remember why, but like I'm very familiar with the the seven inch cover because it's awful. Like we should yeah. we got to do <laughs> yeah. that. We got to do that record just to bust on the the the, the cover because it's so bad. So yep. uh, it's a very bad cover. But uh, but a lot of those guys are in this. But uh, the the one other guy that was in would later join Channel. It's not on this record. Is Brian Benoit, who we talked about in the kind of four episode, who went on to Dillinger Escape Plan. So uh, yeah, two uh, you know guitar guitar. Even though I think Nate plays bass and converge, but you know still whatever. Two uh, two big big guitar guys in this uh, band that uh apparently uh were really popular enough in massachusetts to be poached for for other yep. bigger yep. bands um brian collins played drums on this he w- he went on to candy lane car crash he has a uh a credit on his discogs uh for green day and if you look into it it's it's him as the lead rigger which i do not think is him at all uh i did some digging and i'm almost positive it's not really him because i <laughs> I, I looked it up and it, there's like a story about how Brian Collins nearly escaped death uh, at a Radiohead concert where the drum tech died and uh, Brian Collins is right, right there almost dying with him. And I think <laughs> he, he just missed death. And I don't think it's the same guy because I, no. I could find his Facebook po- po- page and he does not seem like a lead rigger that is on tour with Radiohead. No. Uh, he uh, maybe lives in New York. I don't think these guys really keep up with their Facebooks. Uh, no. Maybe he lives in re- re- New York. He had a picture that looked like he might have been a chef or just uh, maybe a martial artist because it's one of those types of jackets. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure he's a chef. Yeah. And uh, I don't know much else about Brian Collins. That's that's where uh, my my data ended. Um, the real the wild card in this is Rob Marona, who was the guitarist that would later get replaced by Brian Benoit. Uh, I don't think he's he stuck around in music often, but uh, our our informant that I'll, will remain anonymous, uh, gave me some tips. And he said uh, he actually played in a band uh, with a guy named Zachary Knighton, who uh, is some actor that was in Magnum P.I. But, nice. But, but the, a new Magnum P.I., which I didn't know. So when our informant said, yeah, he played in a band with some actor from Ma- Magnum P.I., <laughs> I was like, holy shit, that's insane. 
And then I was like, I found out there was an actual reboot of Magnum yeah. PI, which have you seen this? Is this a thing? That's familiar. They, I mean, they rebooted all of them. They rebooted like Knight Rider, Magnum PI. Uh, you know, there was a bunch. There was like a young MacGyver show so, that came out. So it's not it was, still Tom Selleck playing Magnum. No, no, no. It was, I think that it was like a, a sexy young man, and, and it was very glossy and slick. And, then why even bother? Why even bother no. with this? Uh, fucking, the, it's the guy's name. You can't. They don't just fucking go, oh, Spider Man, and it's just some completely. I mean, I guess they do with Spider Man. Miles Morales is Spider Man, but you know, you yeah. can't. I know it's not like Wolverine. Oh, it's a new guy. It's just a new guy is Wolverine. It doesn't work. Right. Uh, but right. yeah, they, he was in a band called The Last Picture Show with uh, Magna P.I. Zachary Knighton. And, uh, they didn't do anything. Uh, I think he's just off the grid. I didn't find anything else. Ian Sabo played the bassist. Uh, played, played the bassist. He was the bassist. He played bass. Uh, he does follow us on Instagram. Uh, he lives in Austin, Texas now. And he was in a band called The Bearer and Designs in the End of the Universe. Um, as far as I can tell from his Instagram, he's really into nature and getting swole. So mm -hmm. uh, those seem yep. to be his hobbies. Uh, yeah, that seems what he's, he's up to these days. Jason Shipman was the vocalist. He also went on to Candyland car crash. Uh, he's, he's hard to lock down. He, I, you know, I, I have access to both his Instagram and his Facebook and I can't really tell outside of skiing and sports, like what he does. Cause, uh, every single picture of his Instagram, he's in a different state. Different, doing a different thing in a different state. Yeah. So uh, he is a man of mystery. He he likes doing things in different states all over the place. He must travel a lot, uh, but he seems to be in, into sports and skiing and, and wintry um, activities and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I found out about Channel. Yeah, I couldn't find anything on Ron Ron Myrona. I looked around. I couldn't find a single trace. Like not yeah, like you put in that name and it's like it, nothing comes up at yeah. all. Who yeah. was like, did you mean Myrona? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I mean Myrona. No, no, you mean Myrona? So I couldn't yeah. find anything. Brian, I found basically the same thing as you, uh, and it's funny because you know uh, several of the of the characters of today's show uh, have names that are pretty saturated in Google, and Brian Collins is the name of the boss of one of our good buddies who <laughs> runs <laughs> Collins Publishing. Um, there's also a somewhat internet notable Brian Collins who's from the place that converges from, Methuen, yeah. Massachusetts, who writes for like horror blogs and stuff like that. And he and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like he, it must be. He looks like about the right age and stuff like that. Um, not him. Uh, our Brian isn't any of the guys that you find <laughs> at Google at all. He's uh, as far as we know, according just like Mike said, he's, he seems to be a dad in the Bronx, <laughs> possibly a sommelier or a chef or something like that. Um, and, and there's actually a famous chef named Brian Collins. Too, yes, who, yes. <laughs> that's why. That's when I gave up. I was like, I give yeah, up. I don't forget it. Forget yeah, it. I yeah. can't find this guy. Yeah. Jason Shipman, uh, he manages a ski world. That's all I know. I He's, saw that, but it's yeah. it, it seems like a, some shit that might not have been new. So I don't know. But yeah, he there was some. Uh, I don't want to get into it too much, but he was definitely <laughs> doing some things online that made me think he's still kind of involved okay. in the ski oh. world or whatever. And he seems to have done okay for himself he, in, the, in the family department. He has a by far the best looking family I think we've <laughs> ever seen on this show. So good for you, Jason. <laughs> um, and then Ian says he's in the Navy. I don't know if that's a joke or if he's really in the Navy. I have no reason to doubt that. He looks like a guy who could have been in the Navy. He's uh, he's very in shape. Yeah. And he does a lot of aggro in shape guy things like punishing races and stuff like that and CrossFit and all that shit. And uh, yeah, so he's in the band Designs, which is spelled D-S-G-N-S. -S. Um, and I think he's kind of recent. I think he kind of joined that band recently. It seems like they had other people in the band prior. Mm. And he's my, he was in a band. I think he was in a band called Feral King, who was similarly hard and noisy and, and nasty. He's in the real nasty hardcore bands that sound real. They're real, like, you know, heavy and, and yeah. sharp and aggro. And uh, 
there's the one this there's one mystery out there. I don't I don't know what's going on, but there's a band named Vo. I think it's how you pronounce it. V-A-U-X, mm-hmm. who tag him in a whole bunch of band photos. But he doesn't seem to have been in the band. So I don't know if he was roadieing <laughs> for them or if he's just buddies with them or they just liked him. So they're just posting his photo a lot. But you know, he seems he seems all right. He's I, I used to lift too, bro. Look me up. Call me up. Call me. Um and then Nate. So Nate is the one guy I hope doesn't get stoked about our show and start listening. Because eventually he's going to go back a few episodes and then a few more episodes. And Nate, if you do, let's clear the air a bit. First 7-Inch Club has a company policy of not liking Doom Riders. <laughs> there's, there's nothing we can do about that. It's company policy. It's law. It's practically law. But Nate, don't leave yet. Don't leave. We love most of your other bands. We like we like your other bands. We like two Caven albums, two of them. We like all 30 Converge albums. We like about half of Old Man Gloom, I think. The part that has guitars. Yeah, yeah. We like Jesuit. I heard that you're in the Cavalera conspiracy or you were for a minute. That's very important to me. Like you have no idea. <laughs> Sepultura, very, very important to me. So stick around. Don't leave over Doom Riders. It's not worth it. Uh you know that and by the way, the the salt and pepper beard you got going on, it's unbeatable. It makes you look like Tom Araya. It's the vibe that I wish I could I could emulate. So never shave again, bro. Stick it out and stick it out with us. I think you might like some of the other things we have to say. Who knows? But just don't listen back a few episodes. Steer clear. <laughs> okay. Uh, so as I said, this was on Stillborn Records. Technically Stillborn Records number two. But as I said, uh, Just 14 Demo is number one. So it's basically, it's the, it's the first thing that you can actually buy outside of Connecticut uh, from Stillborn Records. It's uh, and if that didn't give you enough of a hint, Stillborn Records is Jamie Josta, <laughs> aka Jamie from Hate Breeds record label, which might yeah. still even be active. I don't, I don't know. Let's see. It's not like it's a thing he does, but it's not like a thing he promotes. Let's see. Uh, no, it seems the last thing they released was 2019, which was the Josta record. It seems like the last several things they did were Josta records. So I guess that's the only people brave enough to put out Josta. Is uh is himself. Is just. Uh, yeah. uh, I thought he I thought he might have I thought Stillborn might have put out that uh corpse grinder solo, but I guess not. But um uh yeah, so like we I think we you know we talked a little about Jamie in the Just 14 episode, even though it was the post Jamie Just 14. But yeah, for you guys who only know Jamie as uh the 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 brand behind Just Pasta and uh Hatebreed Bear <laughs> and you know, hate breed in general and uh, hosting, I don't know, a serious FM show or whatever the fuck he does and headbangers yep. wall and all that shit. Uh, you know, he was a hustler back in the day. Jamie was a child who was a distro child and would, would distro records at shows and had his mm-hmm. own label. Like, um, I think Jamie's only, he might be like a year or two older than me, maybe three at most. So he was dropping this, this, this channel record and on his own record label when he was like 15 years old, basically and uh 15 or 16 um wow and he was like (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and uh he he was uh like he was like it's weird because i was when i was when i was thinking about stillborn and thinking about all this it's like it's a part of shows and like hardcore that doesn't even exist anymore is that you would go to shows and there would be people either local people or people traveling like rick healy or something that would have distros and they would sell which is completely gone this doesn't happen at all at shows anymore but not only would they would be like people you saw all the time and they would be like hey man you should check this out blah 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 like yeah. this is really good and that's how you found out about music because there's no internet so you would have to rely on these distro guys to be like oh yeah you like this you should check this shit out uh, jamie was one of those guys so he he was always peddling this shit and, uh you know he's 
I don't know how the fuck he was finding out about about bands not even in Connecticut when he was this young, but <laughs> I don't think Jaws 14 played out that much, but maybe they did. But um, yeah, I mean, everything else he put out at this time was, uh, you know, like uh, like Connecticut stuff and Neglect. The, the third release was Neglect and not even a good Neglect 7-inch, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's Long Island. It's 10 miles away from Connecticut. It's not too far, but uh, he put out an Ugly Truth record, which might actually... Uh, that was the fourth release. That might actually be in Punk Month. We might finally do Ugly Truth in Punk Month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, then by 95 is when Hatebreed hit. So he didn't need to really, like, hunt for bands anymore. <laughs> like he, You know, people yeah. were coming to him like, hey, man, I want to work with you. So he was doing, like, the Hatebreed Neglect split, the Hatebreed Integrity split. He put out the early uh, Another Victim stuff. He put out, uh, technically put out, but I think it was on Smorgasbord, too. He technically put out the Hatebreed Under the Knife CD. I don't think he did the 7-inch, just the CD, which is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the uh, the greatest 7-inch of all time. So he has that mm-hmm. under his belt. He put out Death Threat's Last Days, which is my favorite Death Threat album, but I think everybody else is uh, disagreeing with me on that. I think they like the newer stuff more. But uh, uh, it's like, it's a lot of stuff that I grew up with and know half because it was put out by JB and half because it was very of its time. All the stuff he put out was really of its time. I I think a lot of the stuff might be getting a second look now, but like, I don't know, man, like, uh, you know, no one gave a fuck about cold as life again until like a few years ago. <laughs> and like, he put out the, the ringworm cold as life record in 2001. And uh, he put out a band, what feeds the fire that was big for a little while that kind of, you know, disappeared. Um, so it was a lot of stuff like that. He put out a sub zero, like, you know, later, way later, Sub Zero in 2003. And then he got into like, I think once like Hatebreed became a Roadrunner or whatever band, he started putting out kind of like stuff I didn't really care about. I don't think a lot of people cared about, but uh, yeah. like the Autumn Offering, I don't know what that is. The Risk Taken, I kind of vaguely remember them. A Thousand Falling Skies, I think, is getting a second win now. They were kind of like a, you know, a, a semi popular metalcore band in in uh, connecticut that's uh kind of lost in time but i think they're making a comeback dead by wednesday i think they were like a new metal band so i don't know mm-hmm. why he was all up on the dead by wednesday shit uh danny diablo who could forget uh danny diablo yeah. <laughs> still born 41 uh you know lordy's x rap record uh, ice pick which was that band with i think he did with danny diablo i think it was him and him full-blown chaos so yeah it's just like a lot of a lot of mutant music um, a lot of music of its time. <laughs> a lot of music of its time. One for one. Um, I don't think he has. Is I don't think he has is the this. There's no numbering on the one for one thing. But I remember they did like a they did a like a Connecticut uh, one for one record release show. I'm just sorry. I'm just trying to look at the back of the thing. Yeah, I don't know like why why it's list. He must have did like a repress or anything. But either way, yeah, he did a, he did a repress. It looks like um, and. Oh, because it was originally released in Belgium. It was done by a Belgium label, and then then Jamie did the repress of the one for one. I won't lose seven inch. And I remember they did like a record release or something, and it was like everybody gets a free copy, which you know in in Albany in the Teddy Tall day places that's normal, but that's not a normal thing anywhere else. So in Connecticut, it's like we got a free copy of a seven inch. That's crazy. I remember going to the show. And at at the end of the show, there was just like boxes of these seven inches still laying around. So at one point, I had like forty copies of of one for ones I won't lose because like they were just hanging there. And I was a kid, and I was like, <laughs> these are free. I'm gonna take a bunch. And I don't, I don't know why. I don't I don't have any now, but 
so that was probably a bad idea to give away seven inches of the show but uh but yeah it's it's a it's a label i'm nostalgic i have nostalgia for it but i did for uh, as famous as jamie is i don't really think like i don't even think people know he has a record label for one or knew he had a record label so i don't think his his record label did did much um outside of you know you know mosh music i guess and even then like not even legendary mosh music just mosh music well, i figured i'd yield the balance of my time to you since this, this has <laughs> religious implications for uh, yeah. for you and the people of connecticut <laughs> but it's funny that you pointed out the danny diablo cd because that's basically the only thing i keyed <laughs> i was like look at that volume two yeah and uh so i listened to it while i was doing my research i was like i'll just play the danny diablo cd <laughs> it's on Bandcamp. it's easy to find and so, you know, for one thing, who would ever enjoy this CD? Have you ever listened to the whole CD? <laughs> no, no. Oh, my no. goodness. It has skits, but he has like a guy interview him for a whole track that's early in the CD. It's not like it's 12 tracks deep. It's like track three or something. There's a guy interviewing him about how cool he is. <laughs> and it's it's and there's all this dumb shit, and it's all over the place. Some of the songs are metal songs. Some are rap songs. There's, you know, and the skits aren't funny. They're not like good skits. They're just like people going like, yo, this is this guy from this band. And I'm here <laughs> to say something about Danny Diablo. And, and, you know, having yourself interviewed on your own record is something only a dude like this is ever going to do. Like no, no sane person <laughs> would ever do this. But the part that got me kind of like confused is that all the heavy music on that record is pretty well produced. <laughs> like it's about half the songs are like hardcore or metallic guitar riffs or something like that. And it's immaculate. It's it's really good. And nothing else about it is immaculate. All, absolutely zero of the raps or skits or interviews are recorded well. They have like <laughs> popping peas. They have like oh, you know, two hot mics. You know, it's like it's some of them just sounds like they stuck the mic right up their noses. And they're talking. <laughs> and and, uh, and it goes right through your skull. But then somehow it's like they got Ross Robinson or something to pop in and just produce all the metal guitars. And it's so it's blowing my mind. And, you know, even if all the metal parts are samples, which I don't think is true, those parts are still better than every other sample on the record. It's like someone just really was was a, a savant about distorted guitars and nothing else. So if anyone out there is some kind of Ezek historian and you want to tell me why this one vein running through that record is so good and nothing else is, I'm dead curious. Uh, I have no strong opinion on Stillborn other than, other than thinking it's pretty funny that they put a cowboy hat on the logo and made a sub-label uh, called Still West Records to yeah. put out the singer of Flotsam and Jetsam's country record <laughs> yeah. that I didn't know existed. And it doesn't look good, yeah. uh, but but it has its own imprint. It has its own custom imprint on Stillborn Records. Which is yeah, I don't, I don't know what the story behind that is. I yeah. guess I didn't really. I kind of marginalized Stillborn as a, a thug label for muscle men. But Jamie did put out stuff that he was just like, I really like this, so I'm going to put it out like this channel record for one. But also he yeah. put out like Fuck the Facts and stuff like that. So yeah. it wasn't just like all mosh stuff. But, uh, you know, it, it leaned heavily on that in the later days. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this was whatever reason, this was the first thing that Jamie heard where he was like, I got to put out that channel record. And I don't know the story behind it. But yeah, guys, let me let me know if you uh, if you hear this. Let me know how uh, it went when a 15-year-old Jamie contacted you and said, <laughs> I would like to put out your 7-inch record. I'm going to have my mom uh, drop some comp contacts or contracts and uh, <laughs> you can sign them or something. I don't know. It's, uh, it's yeah. pretty pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, now we can get into, uh, we can put <laughs> this record out onto a tray. Nice. 
I was reaching for both things at once. It wasn't working out. Uh, so this is again, this is a, a teen boy's first release. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's not really it's not really heavy on the packaging. No. Uh, although I guess I think I have like the bullshit version. I think I have like the second press or something like that. I have what is on Discogs known as the green cover version. And I think the uh, the there's a little more razzle dazzle to the the first press, which had like I guess it had like a lyric booklet, even though it's not. I look at pictures of it. It's not that great. Like it just looks like a shitty booklet, but um, you know, it's still a little more razzmatazz. This is just a photocopied piece of paper that was folded over, and uh, it has all the same information. Like it has like there's like a blurb about you know don't don't be a pawn to society and shit like that, mm-hmm. and that's that's in the booklet too. So uh, and then it has the lyrics, which are take up pretty much the whole entire panel of one page, and uh, there's a a very patented type of 90s photo where uh, it's photocopied so you don't really know what the fuck's going on looks like a guy is on the floor maybe the singer maybe some no maybe some guy with a guitar i don't know but he's on the floor he's having a bad time um (laughs) and the yeah the cover itself is a uh is a hand with a finger gun which we have talked about at least one other record that had this kind of image on it might have been honky ball i can't remember but it, it, this is a this is an image that I Good guess people keeping great. <laughs> keeping great <laughs> this is an image that people I guess really struck people in the nineties. Although this this is credited to like a guy who drew this, so I think this was like somebody's like high school or college project or something. So I don't think it was like stolen from the same place Honky Ball took it or whatever. And uh, in the back cover is like a, another drawing of like a hand reaching out like with the same finger that would be the gun. But it's just a normal finger. I don't know if it must have some deep meaning to them. It also has a. I don't know how often or if they ever use, stillborn ever use this logo again. But it's like I don't even know what the fuck it is. It's like, do you know what this is? This logo. Yeah. So uh, I talk about this a little bit, but okay. I grabbed it and you know because it's inverted, like this whole yeah. cover's inverted, and I uninverted it, and it looks to me like two kind of like graffiti Jedi mm-hmm. kicking each other and and fist bumping so like if it's really hard to make out but it looks like they have almost like grim reaper hoods that are empty you know like faceless hoods and there's definitely a clear hand in the back that's it's kind of like they're you know winding up a punch or something like that and then there's a punch in the middle and then i think that those are feet that are touching in the middle or whatever so it's kind of like a mirror image of two you know kung fu warrior monks or, (laughs) or or something like kicking each other yeah, in, in midair to me it looks like two like cloaked pigs or something <laughs> like holding hands and there's like a book outline at, at the bottom of them so i thought they're like doing like casting a spell or something but yeah i don't really know either i don't think stillborn uses this logo too often if ever again after this uh yeah on the inside like i said it's just the lyrics and uh the little blurb and then uh sideways you, you turn it and there's like you know the, the pertinent information that you would need and they they this band was like we're gonna be doxxed on a podcast and 25 years so we should put our first middle and last names <laughs> yeah. in uh yeah. which in, didn't help it didn't help no, me much didn't help. but thank you thank you for doing yeah. that uh however what they didn't do was put who played what and no they never did that they were just like we we, are, we don't want to be known by our instruments so yeah i had to ask our informant like who played what because i couldn't fucking figure it out so um so yeah, this says cover drawing by Conrad. So thank you, Conrad, for the finger gun. This mm. is not great. <laughs> it's like it's you know again, it's a teen boy's first record that he's he's printing, uh, pressing. It's it's pretty standard for 1994. It's a photocopied cover. It has channels in the 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 kind of rounded typewriter font with a dot after like a period after channel, so you know it's yeah. hardcore. Yeah. So it it has everything you would want. 
you would look at this in 1994 and know what you're getting into, but it's definitely, you know, pretty run of the mill for the time. Yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing special at all. And again, like I said, I don't have that first press, so maybe the, the cover is like a little nicer, but this is just like a photocopy cover. So this is a bit of a quandary because, <clears throat> you know, as Mike said, they credit an illustrator. Yeah. So you have to assume this, the drawings are original, but I guess they didn't like the way it fit on the cover. So they squished it. They yeah. <laughs> kind of squished it. And ultimately that makes it look kind of shitty. Like it doesn't look good. And, you know, the courier font with the period at the end, that's forgivable. That's a 1994 crime. We forgive that. But squishing an original drawing to fit your cover, that isn't. You can't forgive <laughs> that. It looks it looks kind of bad. Um, then inside you get the normal hand, which is drawn really well. It's like a pretty good drawing. It hasn't been distorted to fit the page, which is nuts. So you led with the weird one. And, you know, the, the finger gun is not all that convincing. Like <laughs> the way that they put the – if you actually – so, the, like I said, the artwork on this whole layout is inverted. It's the the green should be the black, and yeah. the black should be white or something like that. Uh, so, I inverted it back to the original just to look at it, and it looks pretty much a lot better. The gun finger <laughs> translates a little better, and like you know, it inverts with the green. It inverts this kind of ox blood, almost like a maroon color on gray, which looks sick. So, guys, <laughs> you know, if you do a repress of this, uh, call me up. <laughs> uh, and it's not like you can't figure out what's going on as is, but it just looks better uninverted. I think it lo actually looks kind of nice this way. And uh, that also goes for the stillborn logo Mike brought up, which I think it's two graffiti Jedi kicking each other in midair. <laughs> and I don't like it. When I zoom in, I didn't like it. And uh, that makes sense because Jamie was, uh, this sounds very weird, but uh, yeah. Jamie was, uh, he was very proud of doing karate kicks on stage back then. He was a mm. teen boy. So, you know, he, but he was I. He would do a lot of karate kicks on stage. Yeah. This is not a yeah. joke. And um, <laughs> and uh, I like remember Elvis. <laughs> it's like Elvis doing the karate on stage. Yeah, and I remember uh, uh, my friend's brother. Uh, he he kind of busted his balls about it. This was a uh, guitarist of Miasm who was uh, being prospected for Hatebreed, but turned it down. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he was like, "Why do you always?" He's like, all you do is those fucking kung fu kicks on stage. And he was like, yo, I bust crazy mad kicks. And he really said that. He said, I bust crazy mad kicks. And so he was that, that was like, a, yeah, so he was very proud of his karate kick. So I guess that would make sense if his his logo was uh, two guys karate kicking. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they bust crazy mad kicks back there, yeah. too. And uh, it, actually, if you don't zoom in, though, it like Mike said, it looks like pigs. To me, it looked like two dancing elephants with like big Dumbo ears or something like that. <laughs> That would have been cool if it was two elephants kissing. That would have been a pretty cool logo. I don't know what it had to do with the word <laughs> stillborn. The inside rant, not that great. Uh, but I kind of love that about halfway through, it just starts foaming at the mouth. Like, I love hardcore. I love revolution. <laughs> Fuck all this shit. I love it. <laughs> I'm like, all right. All right. Well, that's good. Uh, I think they picked a pretty okay live photo. You can't really tell what's going on. But, you know, a band has recently done the stick click and fallen down on stage and collapsing in a heap. So you know something heavy is going on. Uh, it just it's kind of built into that sort of imagery. Uh, the record itself has some cheeky Satanism. Speaking of Mephiscopheles, it has some cheeky Satanism on the yeah. label. Also pretty 1994. We have to. I forgot to ask available. you about that because it says Satan rules with a Z, which yeah. is again cheeky. And I I wanted your opinion as a you know an actual Italian. Yeah. Is this is this cool to you, or would you have been like fuck these guys? Well, this is this is pre dead guy. Uh, who did the, almost the same type of stuff? Yeah, they did the you know the the fake. Ob you're obviously kidding. Yeah, about Satan and people used to write. I mean, when I was a kid, people wrote Ozzy rules R U L Z. Yeah, yeah, on tables and they meant it. They meant <laughs> Ozzy rules. They weren't kidding around about that. That was for real. 
So I would have thought that this was silly, but I also was this kind of kid. I was <laughs> okay. like a like fucking booger <laughs> asshole who was like weird about <laughs> jokey Satanism too. So I would I would have vibed with it. It would have been fine. Uh, I think 94 is a little late in the game to be doing a layout like this. Uh, <laughs> but like we like we said, fixation is a year out, hadn't <laughs> gotten there yet. So the whole you know clip art and clean default font aesthetic, it's probably still valid. It hasn't really been curb stomped by <laughs> by uh, like all the dead guy copycats yet. So it's probably okay, but I feel like it's a little late for something this kind of simple and courier font. <laughs> Maybe it's a little late for this. Uh, I should have mentioned before this that uh, our informant also sent me a, a link of these guys playing live, and uh, it's a, it's a good quality video for 1994. Uh, but it was it was uploaded so long ago on YouTube that it was uh, it had to be broken into ten minute chunks because that's how like long ago it was when that was a rule. And yeah. I can't, I can't hang with that shit. It really <laughs> stresses me out because it yeah. makes me think of the olden times and youth. Yeah. Like oh, I remember those days of being young, and watching YouTube in ten minute increments. Yeah. Uh, but I watched the first ten minutes, and it's weird because like there's a lot of people watching this band, but but there's no there's no fear of a mosh breaking out. Hmm. It's like that's kind of weird because I would guys would have brought the mosh, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Again, I didn't watch part three of the video. Maybe part three is when people start moshing. But it, it seemed like they were all like close together, and it wasn't like anybody was like, "Okay, this guy's going to kick me any." That mm. there was no fear of that. Uh, again, my Virginia might have been not been a mosh city. So it yeah, didn't safe. we didn't we find because I I forget where we landed on that, but there was the band that played at the uh, the laser tag arena. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then it kind of made us think maybe they don't mosh in, in Virginia. Yeah, yeah, so. that uh, yeah, that hard band that uh, that old. 89 yeah uh, hard band from virginia beach that i forget the name of but as something kill or kill as i don't know whatever as i lay dying i think it was as i lay uh, yeah dying. as i lay dying their <laughs> first record from 1989 and uh <laughs> no we can actually get into the the music of this this is uh technically four tracks but the last track is a 10 second joke and we do not acknowledge jokes on mm-hmm. this podcast so this is uh effectively just a three track record yeah. Uh, so two on the, the the first side and one on the next, and you know what that means. One of them is going to be very long, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll talk about that. Uh, so the first track on side A called Scratch. Uh, so I was going into this expecting this to kind of be proto-converge, because that's what I always assumed. That's yeah. kind of what my mind remembered, but it's not. It's not like there's little flourishes of it. But uh, in 1994, again, uh, maybe if you're you're younger, you might you didn't know Jamie did Karate Kicks. Uh, converge really sucked in 1994. They were a, ter- <laughs> yeah. a fucking terrible band. So by all rights, uh, all channel needed to do was be able to play their instruments, and they were already better than Converge. But I was going into this thinking it was like a uh, conviction situation where I was going to hear uh, what Converge would sound like in 1997, but played in 1994. It's mm-hmm. not really the case. This is pretty much extremely, extremely 
of its time new school hardcore. Yeah. Right on the nose. New school hardcore. This is also a very bass-friendly band. This is uh, maybe the most uh, audible bass for a band in 1994 that played hardcore. Like, you, mm-hmm. you can hear it. It's just like it's as loud as all the guitars. It's there. Um, <laughs> it opens with a real bounce. Like, this is, these guys are bouncing up and down, man. This is fucking upbeat. It's bouncy. Nice. Um, sounds like anything. Like, this could have... I don't know how Victory eluded them. I, I don't know if Jamie heard it. He was like, I'm, I'm snatching these guys up before Victory could get them. But, <laughs> I mean, they didn't know another 7-inch, which was on some weird label that... Uh, what label was that? It wasn't like... I don't think it was like a known label, right? All right, going back. We never Clay do Garden. This. Yeah, that's some weird label. They even have any... They, yeah, they put out... It must have been one of the guys in the band because they put out the Candy Lane car crash and that was it, so... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how Victory or any of the kind of burgeoning '90s new school labels didn't snatch these guys up. I don't know, but either way, um, back in the music. So yeah, there's a bounce. This um, it, again, it, you could you could throw these in with any any of the kind of '90s Victory bands or any of the catch bigger catchphrase '90s bands. But for whatever reason, this reminds me a bit of Guilt, and I know that wasn't the intention, but I think <laughs> the way this guy sings and kind of the guitar tone, it sounds a little little like early guilt to me and i think that's pretty yeah. cool um so this is a, this is like i said a bouncy new school hardcore song uh about halfway through it starts to do a little slow down part where the, the singer is gonna gonna talk a little he's gonna talk on it uh and then i assume nate newton I'm, i don't want i don't want to put the blame on you nate but uh i'm gonna assume it's you for you know you went on to do converge so it makes sense uh the guitar starts doing some wacky shit and yeah. uh yeah yeah I don't know, man. I I know you're young, but uh, <laughs> that was that's bad news. And it's not like it's not good. Like it's not like uh, it's not urgent sounding. It yeah. just sounds like somebody that's really bored and is like, I'm gonna do some wacky shit on this part. Like if it yeah. sounded like that picture looks of somebody falling into a heap and uh, he's really banging the shit out of his guitar, it, I would accept it. But this just sounds like somebody jerking off and doing doing wacky stuff to amuse themselves and I, I don't like that so again it's 1994 300 years ago it probably sounded a little more urgent back then but uh th- now it just sounds silly uh but overall though this is a very 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 solid song for 1994 i don't think uh i think we've already uh flew right by the kind of uh infatuation with new school hardcore in, in uh modern times so I don't know if uh, people would appreciate this right now, but it, it holds up. I think this song holds up, uh, as, you know, as far as their pairs go. I think this song uh, holds up pretty well. Yeah, the, one of the problems with the way we're going to talk about this record is it's all going to sound negative. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> dissecting uh, a record like this uh, is more about having some fun with it than yeah, <laughs> telling yeah, you yeah. what was good about it. Yeah. But this is the most generic metallic hardcore intro in the world. <laughs> this is the kind of thing we would have done as a gag at band practice. Yeah, yeah. We would have done like this, you know, snap case windows riff, <laughs> and we would have done it to be funny. But also, we probably all like snap case windows. We all liked more hate than fear. Uh, you know, I wasn't a big <laughs> OKD fan, but I liked that song. And when I was 19 or whatever, I would have liked this song. I would have said, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's what I want to hear right now. It's 1994. Um, for the first time in several episodes, I think we have a vocalist who's hitting his mark. He's shouting, and he's got some a little bit of rhythm, and that's a nice change of pace. He's actually landing on the beat the way he's supposed to. Uh, I would say that it sucks to mosh your way to the chorus just to have him calmly speak the, the peak of the song. Like He gets to the really heavy part, and then he just starts, you know, it's yeah. going, jun, 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 riff, and he's going, 
strings <laughs> control <laughs> i can't figure out why you'd choose that why would you choose to do that um there's a real unexpected transition into like a bounce like yeah. real a real new school part like newer school uh, bounce <laughs> and i'm tempted to call it clumsy but i like it because it's so unexpected and kind of sloppy that it forces you to pay attention to try and figure out what the hell just happened You're like what is this fucking riff doing and it's kind of like magic eye it's real simple once you figure it out it's but it takes a second and then there's you know there's more dumb talking uh but what i like is that the lead guitars that mike talked about they have no interest in displaying technical ability <laughs> for real but they want to do like joke tapping yeah. so he's doing like if you, if you didn't sit in your room and with guitar school for the practicing musician uh for many 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 years and learn how to do real tapping you you could still figure out what tapping is and go <laughs> down the neck and stuff like that and everybody does that for fun whether you're good at guitar or not and uh you know he does kind of he kind of does that a lot of that and and then he kind of lets that go and he starts playing kind of ugly chromatic chords like just the wrong chords or whatever and accidentally he stumbles on deep harmony <laughs> like he does all of a sudden he's doing a good job i don't think he wants to be but there's all these passing moments where he starts building up a really like tasty passing chords and nice <laughs> chords. And you wish he's doing it on purpose. Like, man, he's doing some steely dance shit here. And I want him to do more of that, but it's an accident and it's, and it's, and it's only fleeting. So like, you can't really sink your teeth into it, but it's kind of, there's these little moments in there. Like, Oh, that would have been a good idea. If it, if it was an idea, that would have been a good one. Um, but even, you know, even with them reprising the intro after, <laughs> after the exciting part, they come back and just play the intro again. I would have lapped this up at the right age. Uh, it's it's like it's like mosh metal, but it's being served up under the guise of something else. Yeah. Like it was presenting as noisy proto hydra head stuff, but you're really just listening to moshy metal. It's yeah. just moshy metal, but but you feel like it maybe not. I, so, I feel like they would have even said, "Oh, we're like an emo band or something." And yeah. It's like no, you're just a mosh metal band. But, you're just a mosh metal. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second track is called Thief. Scott mentioned the vocals. I didn't really talk too much about the vocals, but it's uh, on the first track. It, yeah, it, like I said last week for the conviction, it's in that that pocket where uh, vocalists don't really know what to do yet because it hasn't just gone to full on death growls yet. You weren't really allowed to do that, so uh, you know everybody kind of approached this uh, hardcore stuff a little differently. So he's kind of talk singing. He gets into a shout every once in a while. He gets a little raspy. Uh, but I do not know what happened between tracks one and two because he is shot. He is completely shot <laughs> on track yeah. two. So I don't know if this was a tough one. 
so he, he sound he doesn't sound like he doesn't have the same rasp as Cobra Commander, but he's getting there. He's like, Bleh! and it's it's cool. Uh, but I don't know if that's what he wanted. But maybe it was. Maybe he was like, they, maybe they were like, yo, that shit on the first track was weak. You got to go shred your vocals, go smoke some cigars, and come back in the booth and lay down the tracks. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, this is more of the same. It's a little less bouncy. Uh, but we get our first pseudo breakdown in the song is uh, just a Slayer riff, like ripped off whole hog. And so we have we have completed the '90s new school hardcore bingo card already. They have done they have done everything. They have done everything you could in the, in one and a half tracks. Uh, overall, though, this song lyrically seems to be about sex abuse. So I cannot make too many jokes on this one because uh, yep. you know at any age that is a serious topic. Um, luckily, after the Slayer breakdown, we get a full on creepy coral breakdown that that's that's uh, pretty you know it, it's it's pretty good for its time. I, I would have been super into it. Uh, then they go into like a stop-start ending, like the gingin, like that type of ending, uh, and it goes on for. You could say this about most of the stuff on this record, but it goes on for a little too long. Uh, I think they were expecting a little too much moshing, and uh, I don't think I don't see them after I watched that video. I don't think they ever got uh, that amount of moshing ha- happening. Maybe they did in some in some areas, but uh, I think they could have at least. Uh, at the very least, edited uh, that part down to about half the time. But overall, still a really good, solid track. Yeah, this song wrote me in a little bit at first because I liked that they were going for, I, I would say, like a kind of almost like a patient, like trippy, kind of trippy patience yeah. version of punk, punky riff. Like it was going <laughs> to be something kind of maybe a little bit psychedelic or something like that because it's real repetitive, but in like a cool hypnotic way. And then it kind of gels into a more mid-paced chug version of that riff. <laughs> and then the vocalist, uh, because he's kind of shot, is doing this, like, you know, can't sleep, clowns will eat me uh, ranting thing. <laughs> and I didn't, didn't, didn't care for that as much. I mean, I don't think that, you know, that wasn't a concept then. I don't think Hot Topic existed quite yet, but uh, <laughs> it felt that way. And um, then, so then if you get through that, you get to what we'll call uh, a pretty archetypical 90s mosh medley breakdown yeah which is the slayer part and you know this is where like you you ring out the e string and then go or whatever you like you know the the rain and blood breakdown or whatever that you that everybody reconfigures yeah but you're not supposed to you're not supposed to record it you're supposed to play that (laughs) practice You're supposed to have fun with that and play that and maybe, maybe just end up covering Slayer or something like that. But you, you don't usually <laughs> record it. But it's not all bad news. I mean, whatever. It, it, they do an okay job with it. But then what I like is that during that part, a second vocal line comes in and does this like Prince when doves cry, lower speaking vocal uh, <laughs> underneath the screaming. And I like that. I think that, like, that's a good that's a good flavor. That's tasty. Uh, and then they break down to an even breakier down breakdown that would be okay if he didn't end it talking. <laughs> Why does this dude get to the meat of every heavy part and start? <laughs> what the fuck is that shit? Like, take a deep breath, do some overdubs. If you're out of juice, that's okay. Take a break. It, they can record <laughs> you later doing something better. And I'm always going to delete. I don't care how famous your guys are after this band. <laughs> I'm deleting points for talking over a heavy part. And you do it. If you do it again, I'm going to bring it up again. Trust me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so then we flip the side. And um, on side B is a one seven-minute-long song <laughs> called Justice. Fight the right to kill. 
so yeah, so I uh, again, like I said, when I when I got this record, and I was like, yeah, I think these guys are like proto converge. And uh, so when I saw the seven minute track listing before I put it on, I was like, that makes sense. They probably have some like sludgy song. Uh, but nothing I heard on that first side uh, wanted me to hear anything these guys wanted, wanted to do for seven minutes, that's for sure. <laughs> I was like, I don't think these guys have a seven-minute-long song inside of them. And I was pretty much right. But um, <laughs> I got to say that I, 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 my, uh, my copy has a horrifying scratch in it. So mm-hmm. this, is, uh, this is missing 30 seconds. So if I upload this to YouTube, let it be known this is not the complete track. Again, though, seven minutes. So taking 30 seconds off doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't think it really matters anyways because all of this song is is repeating measures way too much it's just like repeating shit so much so yeah i'm doing them a favor by kind of 30 seconds off honestly <laughs> uh, but it starts off with like a spooky moody intro and it eats up some time doesn't eat up enough time but it eat, eats up some time uh they whatever happened between tracks one and two to the vocalist happened even more between tracks two and three it is completely shot it's to the point where he's sounding like uh the puberty kid from the simpsons where his voice is cracking like this all the time <laughs> like anytime he tries to go into a talk like the second syllable just breaks so yeah. again i don't know if this was on purpose or he was just singing too hard but he he is shredded his voice is shredded yeah. um the i like i'm i don't know how old these dudes were but i'm i'm pretty positive they were teens so i don't really like busting too many balls lyrically uh, when you're a fucking teen because everybody writes stupid shit when you're a teen it sucks that some people have this stuff immortalized forever as a teen, and it yeah. sucks even more that there are people that celebrate this and want to be fucking 50-year-old men going on tour singing things they wrote when they were teens because it's fucking super weird. Uh, so th- this song is, is pretty bad, horribly. It's uh, a ly- lyrically, a pretty horrible lyrically, I should say. <laughs> um, but the, it's uh, one of the, the... So the whole song is kind of about, like, you know, I guess, like, training kids and training people to be killing machines and stuff like that. I assume it's like kind of an anti-military thing going on. But one of the lines is um, a generation taught to kill with murder weapons in their hands. And it's like, where else would the murder weapons be, man? This this is very (laughs) redundant to say. This is like saying, like, I'm eating a burger in my stomach. Like, it's Mm -hmm. that's where it goes. That's where it goes after you eat it. So uh, it bothers me because it's like they really emphasize this. And I just don't I think what really bothers me, though, is just I don't know what it was about this song in the subject matter to make this the epic seven-minute closer. This isn't really powerful yeah. stuff, man. This is kind of vague 90s hardcore gripes, and uh, <laughs> it's just like it's just stretched out for seven minutes. And like I said, I didn't watch the, that full uh, three-part video, so I don't know if they played this out live. I don't know if this was their big ender. I don't know if people were super into it. It's kind of hard because it was like the Wild West back then. You would go to a show and see a band play for 35 minutes and you don't know how long those songs were and like it was just kind of like a blur so i could see this flying in 1994 where no one would really notice i would super notice now i would i would probably throw eggs at somebody if they played a seven minute song that sounded like this um <laughs> and it's not a bit like nothing about this song is bad it's just too much of it and i it's I, the parts are like so standard and they repeat so much though that i really honestly think i could i could edit down a tight three minute version of the song that would be like killer uh, it just sucks that <laughs> their version is seven minutes and the biggest kick in the balls is that the song just peters out in the end it does the end the kind of ending like we're falling on the floor and uh, we're just slowly stopping playing our instruments instead of like a big epic like mosh part or something it just kind of peters out and ends and if you're gonna 
fucking do a slow jerk off for seven minutes, at least, you know, do the money shot at the end. So, yeah. uh, so that was just kind of a letdown. This, this, this song is a letdown. I'm going to excuse it for being teen boys at a certain age in 1994, not really knowing what you're doing, but, um, I, I just wish this was half as long and it would have been a great song. So, uh, when my friend Jay and I were in high school, we were super into street cleaner and mind is a terrible thing to taste. And then we thought we were experts on industrial music because of that. Just two, <laughs> two records. And you know, we're listening to like Locust Furnace, right? And that's like, it's like a five or six minute song with maybe six or seven lines of lyrics. <laughs> and we're listening to this dude just going, Locust, Locust, Furnace, Furnace over and over for a long time. We're like, well, shit, we can do that. So, <laughs> so we, that afternoon we wrote like 20 industrial songs just in the afternoon, all like four lines of lyrics just randomly sung over the riffs, however they fit. And I'm sensing. That channel felt the same way about lyric craft because that's exactly this is like it's not just repetitive, it's kind of arbitrary. Like it's like yeah. he had the sheet and he's like, Well, they're still playing guitar, so I should be doing something. <laughs> so I'll just <laughs> put more of this over that. And there's no real emphasis or intensity or anything like that changing. It's just like like it's almost like it's a surprise to him that the riff is still going. Well, I guess I better keep reading because <laughs> the riff is still going. And I, I think like I I was like, well, maybe it's because I'm reading the lyrics. If I don't, if I close this tab and just listen to it. And that kind of is true. If you just listen to it, you don't notice it quite as much. You mm-hmm. still notice it, but you don't notice it quite as much. But there's there's two things going for this song. One is that they start messing with some guitar harmonies, some stacking. Especially in the the beginning of the sludge, they start spreading their wings a little bit with uh, thickening those things up. And that's good. Like it's It's actually pretty good when they do it. And then the better part is at the middle, they decide to change the riff up a little bit and start chomping into like a disgusting hard version of the riff i can't really describe it other than the drums change and it starts going (laughs) gets gets heavier and uh you know they really explore that every way that you could possibly explore the heavy (laughs) part um and it and and they they make it harder they make it sicker it's a really good idea and then i think they just tap out like oh this is getting too hard let's just go back to the beginning (laughs) and they just tap out and go back and then you know and of course it ends with him talking and I, i i i I, you can't keep getting away with that shit, dude. Like, I don't know <laughs> if you still sing for bands or whatever to, to this day. You can't keep getting away with that. You can't talk over the heavy part. Because like Mike said, if this had faded out into the sunset with them going nuts, even if it was the same riff, but they're going, <laughs> you know, if they're just screeching to the to the moon, that would have been a cool ending. But we don't really get that. You kind of get. So I think I don't mind the fact that they they went for it with this epic sludge thing or whatever. Don't think you quite nailed it. It's a, it was it was maybe a good try for in in a few parts in the in the middle there, but you know, talking over the end, you squelched it. You just stomped, you squished it like a worm on <laughs> the sidewalk. <laughs> and there you have it. There's channels self-titled seven inch from 1994. Uh, yeah, you know, kind of an interesting uh, new school hardcore record that maybe tons of people have forgotten about or have never heard. Uh, now you've heard it or at least heard parts of it through this podcast, and uh, maybe you'll pick it up if you're into the shit. Um, yeah. I do a little rating system or i say either throw it in the trash listen to it on streaming buy it in the bargain bin buy it for full price or buy it for collector's prices this is kind of a low-priced record and i guess there's it's the only thing i guess i would make this expensive is stuff that only i give a shit about like i think it's pretty cool that it's nate newton's first band mm-hmm. and uh that it's technically the first release on stillborn but no one else seems to care about these things because <laughs> this is a pretty average price like the average price for this any version of this is about three or four bucks you're not going to really break the bank uh buying this so 
Yeah, you know, I I I would think it would be a little more, but I'm, I'm glad it's not. I'm glad this is kind of abundant, and you could still pick it up. Um, my my rating system that I made up a very long time ago, before I I knew we would still be doing this podcast, and I would have to do it every episode. <laughs> is uh, it's kind of broken because I can't do half ratings, but I kind of hate half ratings anyways. But this is this is an episode where I have to bust out a half rating for this because there's so much I like about this, uh, but at the same time. Um, that seven minute long song just kills me. And I think it's just a bad move. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, again, it's only stuff that I find notable. And I, I only think is makes it worth, you know, a collector's thing. So I'm going to say, uh, this, if you see it for full price, you should haggle, uh, down a couple bucks. You should say, uh, <laughs> you see it for $7, say, uh, can I get that for five? And yeah. so, so that's, that's, uh, I think that's like kind of a three and a half overall. I would give this. Yeah. So all of the, the sickest, weirdest, most unhinged, most groundbreaking bands of this wave of hardcore had a really plain name starting with C. <laughs> uh, Coalesce, Converge, Cable, Caven, Carol. Yeah. Like if I saw a clip art and a C name, I expected some real live shit on that record. <laughs> and I just, I just assumed they were all good. So I don't, think, I don't think Channel's that bad. I think a lot of this record is very good. Um, I think that they play very hard. Uh, the meat, the meat of the music, like other than the, the things that we picked out where they don't, you know, where he does some weird leads and whatever, there's no real daylight showing through it. It's pretty good playing. Like they're pretty competent at their instruments. The singer kind of has his own shouting style. He doesn't really, he doesn't maintain it <laughs> over <laughs> the course of the record. But, you know, towards the end when he's losing his voice, he gets kind of close to that gross sound that we like around here. He's, he's yes. getting on the verge of those, you know, gross, gross vocals that we like. Um, but I just wasn't expecting so much of it to be like canonically perfect early nineties, the uh, new, new school metallic yeah. hardcore. I wasn't, I didn't see that coming at all. Not at all. Not even slightly. This is just a catalog of nineties riffs. <laughs> and, uh, there are there. This is a band of the era. So it's not wrong of them to be doing it or anything. I just was, I was anticipating chaos and noise and craziness. And we got the polar opposite. This is very kind of austere, <laughs> you know, careful <laughs> hardcore. So, you know, taken on its own merits. This is a competent, heavy '90s hardcore record. Some, it's got some fun density to it. It's heavy. It's propulsive. Other than the seven-minute track, maybe it's got some variety, especially on tracks one and two, because those two are very different tracks. Mm -hmm. And it has, you know, it has some kind of like doom metal patience in some of the parts that are kind. That's of, not really common for 1994. So they shouldn't be penalized because this didn't turn out to be Cavity's human abjection, uh, which. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought it was going to be or something like that. So I won't penalize it for that. Instead, I'll save the penalties for the fact that they ended on a skit like Danny <laughs> Diablo. Um, so this gets, this gets a 2.7 out of five on the Biggie Smalls getting a very moist blow J at the end of respect scale. Well, there you have it. There's, there's channels record. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure almost everybody in the band is going to listen to this. Yeah. So hopefully you found this fun and exciting and you don't think we're dicks. But uh, you, you've listened to this show in the past, so you probably get what's going on. Except Nate Newen, who uh, is going to hate us forever for yeah, yeah. never liking Doom Riders. But what are you going to do? Uh, anyways, we'll be back next week with a uh, going to do. I think we're going to do Kung Fu Rick next week because it's been a mm -hmm. while. I always think we're going to do it. I think we're finally <laughs> going to do Kung Fu Rick next week. So oh, right. all my Chicago friends, uh, all three of you guys who don't even listen to the show, this is it. We're finally going to do another Chicago band. And then, uh, then it's going to be Punk Month, so uh, so get ready. We're giving you a, a week 
a little weak buffer until uh, you can just not listen to the show anymore and hear a stutter and try and talk about the same uh, the same breakbeat over and over again or the same four and four <laughs> kind of beat over and over again. Uh, but Scott, do you have any last words? Uh, I didn't know Kung Fu Rick was a band, so this is going to be hor- <laughs> uh, real, real enlightening experience for me. <laughs> uh, until next week, fuck Charlie.
Till I'm last girl To share